we have challenged sometimes, I guess, some of the more traditional means of giving and, and um, associated connotations with, with charity, given that, you know, if that event, we had the responsible service and consumption of alcohol and that kind of thing. So we have made some, um, I, I guess, uh, different uh, decisions and, and, and approaches to this. But what we've tried to ultimately do is tap into know our consumer and go, that's what we do. People have a, a Sunday sesh in the sun and, and love having a nice craft beer together and you know listen to some good music and that kind of stuff. So why can't we do that and turn into something that can be really positive and meaningful? So yeah, I, I guess having those core values and also knowing who you're trying to support um, has has really made things a lot easier, but also not being afraid of going against the traditional grain and mould because it's been around for a long time and only so much has been done. But um, finding new ways to make contributions is is what we're sort of yeah, really trying to pioneer. That was Nick Pierce, co-founder of Homey, a social enterprise providing opportunities for people experiencing homelessness through designing and selling streetwear fashion. My name is Regan Quick. And this is Lantern, a podcast about young people trying to change the world and trying to understand what that actually means. Now, I first learned about Homie in the mission when Nick Pierce was selected to speak at a charity dinner at the residential college that I live at. Now, this was months before Project Lantern had even been thought of, so it was quite an amazing moment to be able to invite Nick onto the show months after. And I'm glad we did, because I really think that the approach that Nick has taken towards social impact is something quite unique in the space. In his own words, Homie really is an organisation that wants to try to make caring cool and therefore capture people who for some reason or another might not typically engage with social impact. Nick's personal belief that real social impact comes from smaller programs tailoring their services to the specific needs of each person using the service also provides an interesting counterpoint to the mentality often seen in the space of people trying to save the entire world all at once. There's a lot to take away from Nick's common sense approach. So we hope you all enjoy what Nick had to say. My name is Nick Pierce. I am 24 and I am currently the CEO and co-founder of Homie. Um, so yeah, we're a social enterprise. We provide brand new clothing, training and job opportunities to people experiencing homelessness. More specifically, working with younger people experiencing homelessness to try and break that cycle. So um, we provide some retail training and employment opportunities to, to three young people per six months in our store and then help transition them into uh, other workplace arrangements to try and provide sustainable employment um, opportunities. So um, that's us. What am, I, what am I most passionate about? I guess a few things, like obviously homelessness, given that I work in the field um, and, and mental health, I think, uh, and illness, because that is there's such a strong association between that um, a lot of the time and um, some of the issues um, relating to homelessness. And I guess what other things? Oh, I really don't like bullying. That's always been something I've always hated. <laughs> so those are like, some causes, I guess, that I'm really, yeah, motivated by and, um, and keen to sort of make a positive contribution to. Um, so where did the development of those passions sort of come from and how did they lead you into what you do now? So the development of the passions, uh, it's a good question. Uh, I guess a number of factors, like a, a combination of things. I got to uh, have a really good opportunity at school to, to go overseas and, and travel to Papua New Guinea with some of my schoolmates when I was about 17. And it was really interesting to see, you know, how people on the other side lived. And, and that was really eye-opening for, for myself. Um, and that really sort of, I guess, perked a bit of curiosity um, 
internally and, and, and sort of asking questions why things the way they are, what can we do to make you know, a, a positive difference or contribution to someone's life. So that was sort of the, I guess the key notion was curiosity. Uh, and then homelessness obviously so prevalent in our, in our city. Um, I guess I was yeah, just curious as to why um, people um, were experiencing homelessness in the most livable city in, in the world apparently and, and then what were some of the reasons that contributed towards that and also what could we as young people do about it. So yeah, it was, that was probably the, the notion but a number of factors, you know, the way I sort of grew up and um, some of the lessons I was taught and, and, and learnt along the way but um, I remember at school hearing a saying that like leadership is a, is a sacrifice not a privilege um, and that's something that really stuck out for me was that it's, it's about, you know, it's about the service and it's a really good feeling. I obviously got, you know, a lot of positive emotions from doing some of this stuff. So I guess it all sort of just, yeah, but being where we are now, it all somewhat fell into place, but um, I was always involved in charitable endeavours and, and curious about, you know, some of the more grassroots organisations that exist and, um, and tried to involve myself and, and see what I could do uh, as one and then as a group um, to, to make change. So I guess they're probably the, the leading things. Yeah, um, for sure. So uh, I just want to touch a little bit more on your upbringing side because I think it's really interesting because something like this takes a lot of effort, especially for a startup. So what was sort of your family life like? Was it your parents that sort of gave that or was it all through your school or who you hung around with? Where probably, did the inspiration come from? Yeah, probably everything. I mean, I guess at school, I, I, school was pretty easy for me in, in, in the sense that I had a really good friendship group and my brothers were there as well, my older and younger brother. So I always had this strong sense of community and family wherever I went. Um, my parents, yeah, were really good people and from what I um, can gauge, they tell me they were um, you know, uh, quite uh, good students and people had different expectations of what they would end up doing in their lives because they both became primary school teachers initially and that's how they met, but um, their expectations that would, they would be you know, a doctor or a lawyer or that kind of stuff. So I was really, I guess, appreciative of that fact that you know, you know, they did what they wanted to do and um, it meant a lot to them. So from a, from a younger age, I always, I guess, appreciated that you know, even just making a small contribution or difference, they all add up. So yeah, there was that. Uh, yeah, as I said, like pretty happy-go-lucky at school, great friends, really supportive family. So I think all those factors, you know, combined. But also, um, yeah, quite ambitious. I mean, I sort of tried to aim pretty high with things, you know, marks at school, whatever. But um, always tried to push myself. And um, and I guess you're right. Like it probably does take a fair bit of hard yakka to get something like a homie off the ground. So hard work was also you know instilled within me early. So um, yeah, that was certainly. A, a big factor. Yeah, um, just one more thing on this because I, I find this really fascinating. Yeah. Um, so what makes, because your upbringing seems to be, you know, quite good with good role models, etc. Um, and I think often what I find in those sort of cases is some people have a bit of a disconnect with the issues that they're trying to uh, help and so that's why there's so many good people that end up in certain sectors as opposed to social enterprise. Yeah. So what makes you different and what gave you that empathy? Like when was it when you were walking down the street and you saw a homeless mm-hmm. person where you decided to knuckle down and actually speak yeah. to them? Do you know what I mean? Uh, good question. Yeah, I mean, when I finished school, like I guess um, I had an interesting period in my life where I started experiencing some mental health issues and a mental illness and that really was a interesting time I guess if you will in my, in my life and um, and that certainly opened my eyes to the reality of, of this whole other world that people um, that like depression for instance um, is, is not just someone who's sad and that kind of stuff so I developed a lot more yeah, empathy through that I think and, and understanding towards that, that the reality of life can be can be really hard and without that structure of um, going to school and the routine and and all the rest it can get a little bit more difficult so I think that was for me was something that certainly made me realize that yeah it's it's not just going to be uh, an easy I guess um, climb up the mountain and uh, and that everyone has their own personal difficulties so I, I guess probably 
prior to that, you know, as I said, things are pretty pretty easy and all went well in my, um, my life. So that was really interesting. Like, I guess I'm really appreciative of it now, not at the time, obviously. I've, yes. but, but now it was certainly a thing where I, I look back and I go, I'm really lucky that that actually has taken place because what it's allowed me to do is, yeah, to develop great empathy, to be able to have more meaningful conversations and, and, and just being more genuine and authentic, I think. So I guess that was probably, you know, a huge component of, of why I ended up in this space. Um, and as I said, like, I think that a lot of the time, you know, the, the, the mental health world can lead to issues like homelessness and all the rest. So it, it, I just, it wasn't too, the disconnect wasn't actually that significant between myself and someone who was living rough, you know, given that I had some support and all the rest. Without that, maybe it could have been me. So that was probably the, yeah, the um, realisation, if you will. And I guess just picking up on that, um, like say your co-founder, the people you're working with at Homie and your other organisations, do you find that they also had that, like a similar story when they had this, I guess you could always call it an awakening or a bursting of the bubble, or is that yeah. something you don't really see very often? Uh, no, look, I, I don't know. I mean, it's like Marcus, sort of, uh, who's my business partner, one of the other co-founders, um, well, I went to school with Robbie, the other one, who's he's a very charitable person and has always been involved in the scene and um, you know he's a very he's very giving of his time and whatnot and he's he's a doctor now and um, and I guess maybe he was sort of it was just inherent <laughs> with him but I can't sort of talk into half that's my um, assumption yeah, yeah. but um, with Marcus yeah I mean I think Marcus has always had a pretty a pretty good backbone um, he is a country fella so I, I think I always I, I find whoever I meet from the country's usually got very good values and uh, and all the rest so. I don't know, for, for him, it, I think he's just always known the difference between right and wrong and, and being very passionate about things. So whether or not it was an awakening for him, we met each other on a charitable bike ride. So that was actually, we actually you know, became friends. And then obviously what we're doing now is another charitable endeavour. But yeah, I guess so that, those things, the, the similar interests and, and whatnot, yeah, drew us together. And yeah, it's been what, when we met, 20, four, at least four years, <laughs> if not longer. So um, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, that was when we met each other, and um, and from there it's just gone gangbusters. I guess we should probably start talking about the organisations that you're running. So, do you correct me if you're wrong, but so Homie comes under uh, Conscious Creator, is that correct? Is that how it works? So, yeah, I guess the, the formal structure, if you will, is that um, our, our, we're a company limited by guarantee to our registration. We have DGR status, which is, ensures we can actually um, receive donations and offer um, tax incentives for people that do make contributions to us but um, within our um, constitution 100% of our profits um, are allocated towards our social endeavours and programs so we are an NFP um, but we run a social enterprise we essentially run a commercial operation but our profits um, don't go to shareholders or the board of directors they go to our beneficiaries which are people experiencing homelessness so that's how we're set up it works really well because what we can do and have the liberty of doing is, is a number of income streams at quite an early time, given that we obviously drive our own revenue and a significant amount of our income through sales in store and online. But we also have the beauty of um, being able to apply for philanthropic funding, which can, I guess, sometimes speed up the process of being able to do some impact and all the rest. So um, it's good to be able to um, have that um, as, a, as a revenue driver because it's really critical early days. And, to certainly be able to receive some external funding, I think, to be able to create a viable business, which is what we're trying to do. Yeah, which I guess is sometimes almost something you forget in that space. Um, a lot of people treat you know, charity and non-for-profit work as something separate to business. So I guess that rule key um, business understanding, is that what you think has made your endeavours so successful today? Well, you know, I think I heard something a long time ago, um, which is really applicable to um, how we operate. Without any profit, there's no purpose. 
um, and we can't rely or afford to rely on um, external funding uh, in order to uh, be able to deliver the impact that we want to deliver. And we believe that um, the best way to support the beneficiaries um, uh, that we try and um, look after is to actually create a self-sustainable enterprise so that it can be long-term impact as opposed to, say, being able to do something for a couple of years and then um, running out of funding because we can no longer attract it. So um, we wholeheartedly believe in creating a really strong infrastructure. Um, I guess the commercial operation and, and, and the enterprise component um, is, is allowing, hopefully, for that to take place, to be able to become that self-sustaining entity. But even more so, it's the way that we have allowed our consumers to give, which is so critical to the work that we do because... Um, we don't want to be the guys rattling the tins on the side of the street saying, give us your coins and all the rest. We want to create a movement, um, and that's, I guess, expressed by some of the events that we've hosted and the way that we've gone about how you can actually make a contribution through purchasing something for yourself that's what we like to think, cool streetwear, and you can wear it um, and become an advocate for, of change when you, when you put that on. And, and yeah, sort of make caring cool was sort of why we decided to go down this, this road. That was a really uh, a key factor, so not really from a commercial perspective as such, but, but just to try and find a way that would engage our mates who you know, have a social drink on the weekends and go to the footy or more, whatever. Just trying to find a way that how can we get our, our mates that we you know, spend the money on these things to actually care about um, and support something like homelessness, which is usually you know, quite an ugly issue, if you will. I really like the idea of what you just said about making caring cool. So what exact, what thought process was behind that to make it sexy? Because um, we discussed this prior to the, when we started recording, but I think a big problem with a lot of these socially conscious clothing companies is people aren't going to buy your stuff if it doesn't look good first and foremost. Mm. So where did you sort of get the idea for the aesthetic to go with? Where are you inspired from? Except yeah, well, I mean, I can't take uh, a lot of the credit for that, to be perfectly honest. It probably is, you know, um, Marcus's domain in, in terms of having quite good street sense and, and, and fashion sense. I'm, I'm quite, quite mainstream in the way that I go about my, how I dress myself and all the rest. But um, I, I guess, you know, the name Homie itself is quite funny how it came to be. Initially, it stood for, we had a, a Facebook page called Homelessness um, of Melbourne. Um, and that was about sharing the stories of people experiencing homelessness and whatnot. Um, but we decided to call Homie um, that name for the reason of being um, what we were previously registered as Homeless of Melbourne Incorporated Enterprise. So that's oh, yeah. the uh, acronym for it. But that being said, uh, it's taken on a whole new meaning now. And, and, and the word itself, we sort of liken it to you know, a homie and, and, and relating it to sort of culture overseas and all the rest. It's, it's sort of that connection and it's being part of a community and looking out for one another. So we sort of create this story about a homie, sort of the, the cool kids on the block who have the street party, but they look after their mate's younger sister, you know, when they need to, that kind of thing. So it was like, you can have fun, but you can do good at the same time. So that was what we were um, trying to pitch, was that, you know, you're not a bad person if you um, go out and party uh, responsibly, obviously, and all yeah, the rest. Sure. But um, it was just trying to find a way to make people... I guess feel good about living their lives but turning in some part of it into um, how you can make a positive contribution for others so that was certainly um, a component around the um the the movement if you will but the clothing itself i mean yeah i, I guess we sort of just thought like what, what kind of stuff do i make to wear and it was they go and shop at general pants and that kind of stuff and it's blanks and it's prints on tees and all the rest um, and sort of thought what's pre-existing right now and there's some awesome initiatives you know street do um you know have done an incredible job with it with their coffee so there's no point in trying to reinvent the wheel let's try and go for something a little bit different um, and we just thought it was a good way to engage 
our mates. It was like streetwear fashion and culture. People are wearing blank tees with prints. And, and the fact that we were able to subtly communicate a message through the name itself and homing the brand, um, I think it's pretty cool. The fact that it looks good, hopefully, first and foremost. You go, that's a really like awesome design and all that kind of stuff. But then if with the word homey or the symbol or whatnot, there's a lot more meaning and purpose behind that. So um, we've always tried to be subtle in how we've gone about it because uh, we never wanted to shove it down your throat. This is charity, charity, charity. It was, um, wear this, you look really great. Uh, but did you know also the contribution from that sale was going towards some really important work for, for some young people experiencing homelessness or hardship in Melbourne? For sure. Um, I'm curious about your supply chain then because everything seems to run so well. And I mean, I buy your clothes a lot um, and they are quite reasonable prices even for a long sleeve. <laughs> Which is interesting. Um, so is, how have you kept the checks and balances in the back end? Yeah, so that's a, that's a really good question. Um, and something we've constantly um, been working on um, in, in regards to getting it right. And you need to have a quality offering and product. So yeah, one of our suppliers, our main supplier is AS Colour, which has quite a good reputation standing in regards to being regulated as an ethical supplier of, of clothing and, and blank garments. Um, we print locally. We have a really great relationship with our printer um, who uses environmentally friendly um, paints and all the rest um, and that we were really lucky with that relationship that came about through just a mutual connection of Marcus's um, who we knew did some pretty cool stuff for some other um, brands and then slowly built that relationship up to get that accountability and, um, and it works really well they, they order the product for us uh, and print and, and distribute so it's quite seamless but that being said um, we are in the process of hopefully um, being able to source all of our products from Melbourne and, and not only the um, production the actual sourcing of the material as well, which is really exciting and, and, and a decision that I guess we're very keen to pursue. Uh, it might mean that we have to um, slightly increase the prices, but to be able to support local business, but also have stuff that is manufactured locally and, and is no different to what we've previously had is a pretty exciting prospect. Definitely. So we're, we're really pumped about that and we think our consumers will appreciate that, that not only is this an eth a fully, and we're not saying that our product isn't right now, it is heavily regulated and comes from um, you know, factories that are constantly being reviewed by um, the appropriate bodies. This is something that's made here. Yeah, like in, on, on our front doorstep, which is really, really cool. So we believe that our consumers will appreciate that and that'll be even better. You know, not only is it a brand that does good for homelessness, but it's doing good for our economy and all the rest. So yeah, it, it takes time. Relationships take, take time. We've only just found this, this supplier um, and it's really important that you build a, a strong rapport and a lot of respect and accountability um, from both parts. But um, it's certainly about getting quality through the door first and foremost. You're absolutely right. If the designs weren't on point, if we weren't adapting to the seasons, then we wouldn't be a viable business. So it's, um, yeah, it's funny because, you know, there are obviously some successful uh, social impact endeavours have been only one product, um, whereas we have to try and stock a floor of, you know, full of a number of different garments and styles and, and all that kind of stuff. We haven't made it easy for ourselves, but it's kind of fun as well, like streetwear, fashion and culture and that. What it does do is sometimes take your attention away from um, some of the more, for lack of a better word, full-on sort of type work that you do. It, it's, a, it's a nice balance between, you know, obviously the impact that you're, you're trying to create, um, but also having fun and playing with designs and drinking people to wear this and how to launch it and that kind of stuff. So, um, it, yeah, if we had our time again, I don't know if we just stick to one thing or we have this, um, this variety, but the challenge is, is always there to make sure we're adapting to the seasons, fulfilling the consumer's needs, having, you know, competitive price points. And, yeah, I don't think they are, I don't think they are actually that, that expensive um, and competitive with all the other 
um, brands that are out there, which is good because we need to be. We can't just be, you know, that charity that does or that brand that does some good. We actually have to make sure that, yeah, the product is on point, the, um, the price points are, um, are, are fair and reasonable to our consumers. Um, otherwise, we wouldn't be around. True. Um, and I think it's really interesting that you have focused on the streetwear side. Um, and a lot of the time when I look at Homie's aesthetic, I do get a little bit of, um, you know, there's a little bit of a connection with maybe like Barney Cools and that sort of style. Um, and as just somebody who's in the streetwear community, do you ever get worried that Homie might get associated with maybe more of the negative sides? Because I think you've done really well to really distinguish it, especially in the fact that you've got like your indigenous land rights sort of t-shirts and your gay marriage shirts, which I think are fantastic. Are you worried in the long run if streetwear becomes something, what will you have to do? Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good question. I mean, I think uh, the, the beauty of those products and those offerings that we've had um, is that uh, we've been able to you know, partner with a group um, that's external to Homie to produce that garment. So obviously the the Aboriginal, um, you know, um, Torch Island under flag that we're being put together, um, and and that design um, is uh, in conjunction with a group called Aim Mentoring, um, and that's really cool. I think the fact that um, yeah, it's not just like a, this is a great design, this looks really good and whatnot, but it actually um, we're, we're using the proceeds um, to go to a, a group there that's external to some of the work that we do. Um, that's usually focused on on homelessness, but um, relating that back to I guess, you know, the, the, the mass sort of type piece around streetwear fashion. It's always about finding that balance, you know, like I think about the, um, sorry, just give me one second so I'm racking my brain for this one. Um, we can always... No, that's right. What, what I was thinking was um, with, our, with our designs and our, and our shoots and our production, um, Marcus always talks about how it can be sometimes quite aspirational. And some of our designs are pretty out there. And, and probably you look at it and go, that's, that's, that's pretty, pretty extreme. Like, I, I couldn't get away with wearing that. Um, what we always endeavour to do is make sure that we might have something that's a bit more out there and a bit more um, idealistic and aspirational that only a certain character can, can wear. We usually complement that with a more subtle piece. So you'll see that we usually have like a, quite a loud colour as the primary and then like a, a logo with something that's like, like, a, you know, like, like an orange and a black, for instance, predominantly orange with a with black script. What we also offer, though, is the, is the, the full black um, colour with the uh, orange script to try and, I guess, make that um, make a customer feel comfortable that they can, you know, still be express themselves, but they can also have that more reserved approach to it. So, I don't know where it's heading and whether it's, you know, I mean, streetwear and street culture and all that kind of stuff. There's there's positive negatives to a lot of different cultures, but I think one thing that's really inherent. Um, with with streetwear and the streetwear culture is is that community that sense of you know so like a skate park everyone's together um, and they can be very supportive in environments and at times they can be you know maybe not the best environment but you always feel like there's a sense of camaraderie in those in those groups so yeah I, I guess sometimes there are some more extreme characters and, and people that pioneer that that space but I think the essence of it is about it's a, it's a thing where people can come together and mutually connect and, and, and whatnot. So hopefully um, we can always maintain the integrity of that um, and not get too worried about some of those external uh, factors that you can't control. But streetwear is tough. It really is because people are being more daring these days and, and to find that balance between, because we always sort of use myself almost as an example and go like, what would I wear as opposed to Marcus and I are very different people and very different in our, the way that we express ourselves in regards to fashion. So we always sort of use our, us two as the case studies and go, this is the Marcus range and this is the Nick range because um, I'm a bit more conservative and, um, and whatnot with what I, what I wear. So it is, it's a really good question and it's, um, 
it's tricky, but you've got to have the balance and have that offering to all types. So some of our shoots might be more aspirational and a bit more colorful and all that kind of stuff, but there's usually a garment that will complement that more out there one to go, you can wear this one and you can still have that flair that this person is expressing. So Marcus talks about how he intentionally makes the Instagram quite aspirational to go, I could look like that. I might not wear that, but I wear this, which has a connection to that as well. So there's a lot of thought process behind it. Yeah, um, actually, it's interesting that you bring it back to the thought process. So as a person, you know, we've interviewed a few people that have been in, um, that are in this space. Um, and I think you really stand out the way your thought process is. It really is as if you're just running an, a business. Um, and I think you could have taken homey, stri- stripped away all the social enterprise stuff, and it would have been successful as a clothing company. Um, so <laughs> what I want to ask then is where did you get that business acumen? Yeah. Does it come from your university time? Yeah. Where does that come from? Because I think it's something that is often lacking in this space. Yeah, that's a really good question and um, I probably can't pinpoint that. I mean, I think we've had really good um, heads around us and, um, and, and a really strong um, board of directors and, and governance. It's, it's certainly helped support our development, but uh, none of us have had any prior business management experience or even setting up a business <laughs> from scratch. So. I think there's probably some disciplines and some qualities um, that have really uh, enabled us to somewhat be successful. I think one being that we have quite a versatile and diverse team of polarizing opinions and all the rest. You look at Marcus and myself and we're very different people um, and we have different personalities, but it works really well. There's a really great fusion of, I guess, coming from two different worlds. And um, and I think, you know, honesty has, has, has been a really key part of why the, why the internal operations have worked really well is that we're able to have you know frank discussions and and usually they are relating to uh, you know some some critical business decisions um, and having to remove the emotion from making some of those decisions um, we've gradually got better and better at that so I think internally like we have quite a good culture in being able to um, have those discussions and work out what is the best course of action I, I guess. As well as that, yeah, we have had some really great external support from, from advisors and whatnot. But it's, it's funny, like, I think a lot of the things, it, it, they're common sense. Like, you know, it's, it's like, what are your core values as an organisation now as a transparency, integrity and respect? So they've always driven, you know, the decisions that we've made. Um, and that's made it a lot easier as well. So having that set up from day dot has really made a huge difference in um, being able to, yeah, I, I guess, analyse what, what is the best course of action for us to take. But um, yeah, I think yeah, support network has been huge. Being able to have people that um, have more experience than us and being able to have a phone conversation, say this is the situation, uh, get advice and then make an informed decision. So um, we've been really lucky um, with the support that we received, but we went out and, and sought after it and knew what we wanted. We knew what we needed. Our board of directors all um, fulfill a certain component of the work that we do. So we have a legal representative, we have a retail expert, we have a mental health um, expert, we have a marketing person, we, you know, so we, it, it really counters um, all aspects of, of the work that we do and that's been extremely helpful. But it's just been some of these, some of the, like, you hear those funny sayings, like you hear, like, as I said, like, you know, without profit, no purpose, like that's it's been something that's just stuck with us. And you just hear these little terms that you actually refer back to and go, that's right. Like, um, so, yeah, we, we just, I, I guess, a hardworking group of people. We, we have passion, but common sense always needs to prevail. And one thing that has served us extremely well is that we've been able to, yeah, make, I guess, some, I think, some really great decisions because we've been able to remove the emotional and, and, and really sort of do an analysis um, of, of what is the best 
thing to, to, to do. So yeah, I, I guess those have been probably um, some of the traits, but end of the day, it's been common sense. A lot of our staff, you know, you'd have to be a genius or a brainiac to, it's hard work. It's being able to make informed decisions and standing by your convictions, even if it's not a popular decision at the time. Um, and and that, I think that's what's really ultimately led to, to Homey progressing as far as it has in this short amount of time, is that we've just had good counsel, but we've also just you know, had a common sense approach, known what our core values are and, and stuck by them. And given how emotional and how serious the topic of homeless can be, how do you find those times when you have to say switch off that idealism and switch off that emotion? Do you have any practical tips on how you say make decisions that might not say help homelessness in the short term may help mm. the organisation in the long term or things like that? Well, yeah, you can always get external noise um, from people that might not have um, as much insight as as you and, and criticism. Um, I don't know if that can happen um, anywhere at a not profit or for for profit, um, but I think yeah, what we what we have is. Is we, we've, we've been, um, I guess, immersed in this world for a number of years now and, and really have a, a firm understanding of um, what our place is and, and, and what the best thing we can do for this, for this group is because we can only do so much. So actually knowing what our role is because we're not counsellors or social workers or psychiatrists, psychologists, we're not people who can provide those things, but we partner with groups, groups that do. So that has been um, a, a really great way of yeah, alleviating some of those anxieties sometimes because we have the professionals in the right place to give us yeah, good counsel and, and support to our beneficiaries. But we just think about the individual. We want to work with one person at a time on a case-by-case -case basis. It's not as easy as putting someone in a shoebox and going, this is the solution, this is what you need to get better, this is how you can get out of homelessness. It needs to be approaching um, one individual at a time, assessing um, what are their wants, goals, dream, all that kind of stuff, and, and making our contribution to that. So we know that we, we're, we're an employer, um, and we, we have created this unique program that's partnered with like-minded services and groups, but we know our role, so we've never tried to do more than what we actually can do. I think that's yeah, certainly held us in good stead and made life a lot easier because we haven't tried to bite off more than we can shoot and that can be something that people can pursue sometimes in early days. They can get excited by the fanfare and all the rest. So we've just been very literal in, in, in knowing our limitations um, and, and, and yeah, our approach said is very common sense. It's okay, um, let's give this person a comprehensive level of support and care. So we can do this but there are, this is a service that can do this and they can do this and, and that's worked extremely well. It's given everyone peace of mind knowing that every single group is contributing towards this is playing to their strengths, collaborating um, and we're all like-minded and have the same ultimate goal and outcome but whenever you're faced with that kind of external noise or whatever, we just think about the individuals that we work with and, and, and go, what's the best thing we can do by them? And it really is, um, at this point in time for us, is to create a, a sustainable business so we can provide more employment opportunities for these people as opposed to short-term ones. And not only think about these people that we're helping right now, but the people who um, might be going through an even harder time than those people. So um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's not as hard as it, as it sounds. And if you, if you really, I, I guess, can, can um, focus on what your um, purpose is and what you're trying to deliver, it makes everything else a lot easier. So then do you think that it almost sounds like I mean, no offense, I think it's a good thing, but it almost sounds like being a bleeding heart is maybe, you know, will lead to a bit of divergence from, you know, the goal that's gonna help the most people. Mm. Um, so is it like one of you in the partnership is the one that keeps you grounded or are you all just like that? Because I find that really interesting in a social enterprise yeah, yeah. that you're like that, which doesn't happen. Well, I try and be, <laughs> I, I probably am correct in saying this, that Marcus is, um, 
uh, he usually has all the really great um, innovative ideas and all the rest, but sometimes they might not be as, as feasible as they might first sound. So unfortunately, I'm usually the buzzkill who comes in and says, great, great thought, it'd be amazing if we could, but we just can't. <laughs> so it's important to have both, I think, because um, you need to assess whether or not you can actually you know, execute that, but it needs to be done the right way. Like, I think that's the big thing is we're, we're, we're committed and dedicated to quality and care. So that's made that decision a lot easier every single time is that, is, can we do this the right way? Whenever we've hosted an event, you know, they, they're time, resource heavy, all the rest. What's going to be the benefit from doing this? Is it, is it, is it worth the investment we're going to make, not only financially, but emotionally and all that kind of stuff? So um, we got very good at actually analysing and, um, and yeah, look, looking at it from the perspective of what are we trying to achieve? Um, what's it going to cost us, not only from a financial perspective? Is it, is it, is it worth it? Um, and, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think our events are a testament to that. We've had some really successful occasions where we had, like, our Langway party over summer, which was just awesome. Like, it just fully encapsulated the, the essence of, of the brand and brought people together and it was really great from a revenue raising perspective. But sometimes there are things that just aren't realistic in, in being able to do and you know, we have challenged sometimes, I guess, some of the more traditional means of giving and, and um, so connotations with, with charity given that, you know, we've, that event we had the responsible service and consumption of alcohol and that kind of thing. So we have made some, um, I, I guess, uh, different uh, decisions and, and, and approaches to this but what we've tried to ultimately do is tap into know our consumer and go that's what we do people have a, a, a Sunday sesh in the sun and, and love having a nice craft beer together and you know listen to some good music and that kind of stuff so why can't we do that and turn into something that can be really positive and meaningful so yeah I, I guess having those core values and also knowing who you're trying to support um, has has really made things a lot easier, but also not being afraid of going against the traditional grain and mould because it's been around for a long time and only so much has been done. But um, finding new ways to make contributions is is what we're sort of yeah, really trying to pioneer. Um, so it sounds like I feel like a like um, because you're so good at specialisation. So. Um, in terms of how you, it sounds like you have things quite compartmentalized. So how do you um, outsource, how do you know when to outsource something? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, how do you know yeah. when you're like, I don't know enough about this, can I give it to another corporation? Yeah. I mean, you've got to sort of know what your capacity is. That's probably the, the key. Uh, in terms of what we, the, the opportunities that we can provide to, to people experiencing homelessness right now, we have two things that we know we can do, our VIP day service, and there's only a certain amount of people we can cater to that um, at any given time, and our, um, and our pathway project for young people per six months in our store so we actually know what our capacity is in regards to that but then exploring why are we the ones who can provide um, employment and training to people experiencing homelessness you know street already do it with coffee fantastic but there are so many other employers out there that we could um, engage with and hopefully help empower to be able to provide those opportunities so I guess that's probably a time where we can make that connection and go we can only do so much because of the size of our store the amount of funds that we have but what about all these businesses around these small businesses big businesses that have positions um, available that might just have a preconceived notion towards someone who's experienced homelessness and if they're able to change that attitude provide the right support for them and the individual then it can be a really positive successful outcome for both parties so a lot of the time it's just like a natural, I guess, realisation. Um, so, so that's probably you know, one example of we, we've found that why can't we start doing this for other um, workplaces and employers? Um, but yeah, you, you have to, you're obviously limited by you know, how much your, your cash flow and that kind of thing. So you can really re recognise um, where the money needs to be spent, what's the critical investment that needs to be made. Um, so 
a lot of the time, yeah, money's probably a good teller because <laughs> it obviously is restricting and what you can and can't do. But it's important to think outside the box. You know, we, we want to be able to do this um, and provide. We know there needs to be more opportunities for young people experiencing homelessness to get jobs. We can only do so much um, in the store, but we can offer more in jobs internally at, at Homey. Um, but there are so many other workplaces that can provide them as well. So why can't we help them do that? So that was just a natural realisation and something that we're working towards now because we can amplify impact. Um, so as a young person who, you know, loves the sesh, has a certain aesthetic, how do you not get laughed out of a boardroom? Mm. Like when you started, I'm really interested because I, I think you did tap into a market, but I mean, people that look like us have a certain perception to them. Yeah, how do you yeah. break that when you're pitching to people who, I mean, and look, homelessness over history has definitely been demonized mm. and put into something that it's their fault. Yeah. How does somebody who looks like us come in to these old people yeah. of, you know, very little diversity yeah, and yeah, change? Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, looking at sort of usually your funding groups and whatnot are usually probably a little bit older than, than us yeah. um, per se. And, and, and it's funny because one, th well, not funny, but one of the um, things that we're very unashamed of is that people ask us a lot of the time, so hang on, you only work with three young people per six months in the store, like that's six per year, why can't you do it for 100, that kind of stuff. The reality is we just can't yet. And um, if we were to try and do that, it would be half-assed and it wouldn't be done justice to that young person or, or, or us. So um, we're very unashamed of the fact that we work with a small number of people, we do it on a case-by-case -case basis, and we do it in a really comprehensive manner because we're trying to create long-term positive outcomes, not short-term ones. So that's always a pretty um, interesting topic of discussion that I have with, with funding bodies and groups because they always go, well, hang on a second, how does this work? But the reality is this is how it needs to be. There's no other way to do this if you want to do it right. I believe, look, I might be wrong, but my inherent belief is we have to treat each individual as an individual and there needs to be a case-by-case -case basis. So I've always been very unashamed of that um, fact, but that's certainly been a limitation um, for us at times. People have sort of looked at that and gone, well, that doesn't seem like enough people. But anyway, like that's their own opinion. They're entitled to that. Um, but we have our own inherent belief here and we're, we're unashamed of it. But in terms of, yeah, I guess... Um, being young with, with, with not much business experience and all that kind of stuff, you know, I've just found, honestly, like it is just all about relations and people. And it's about having positive relations, being nice to people. Um, that, that has really taken us a long way is, and, and, and just not being afraid to ask favours. Um, so it, it's really been, I think, the biggest um, skill and tool that we've had is that we've been pretty good at having conversations with people um, and asking favours. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know, like, I think there is a bit of uh, a change. Like I'm seeing people who are a bit uh, in a bit of an older demographic who are, yeah, are really interested in, in what we're doing and going, that's a really, yeah, challenging way to, to tackle this, um, this issue. And I think it's really um, interesting that the approach that you've had. So that's really nice to know that the people are registering. But yeah, with maybe the, the older aristocracy and all the rest, it can be a little bit difficult. But um, I've been surprised by, you know, our board of directors, like um, bar us, we still preside on it and um, we're looking to be able to relinquish our titles, but we're still trying to maintain that essence um, of, of homie and not lose, I guess, yeah, what, what we have created. But um, all, our, all our board directors are very informed individuals and, you know, some have grey hairs and all that kind of stuff, but it's really important to have those people around you because they have lived experiences, which has um, certainly been... Yeah, a huge help, but it took a lot of time, you know, and, and just having a, having a beer, a coffee, all that kind of stuff, and just getting to know the person and just making personal connections. Um, but I think what's been great is everyone who's uh, on our board is fully committed to that approach that we have and understand it has that savvy around. This is the approach that we're taking. It's a conscious decision to work with a small number of people, but to do it the right way. So that's certainly um, helped us in terms of internal, you know, how we've, how we've had success. But externally... 
everyone's a person, you know. I mean, I, I, like I always use it saying we all go to the toilet, you know, <laughs> and we talk to some really high net worth individuals and, and all the rest. But yeah, look, end of the day, like there's always a common interest you can find. And um, we've been surprised. We haven't been laughed out of any rooms and that kind of stuff. I mean, I think initially we were somewhat, and it's funny that the homeless sector can be quite territorial and, and whatnot. Um, and we had some quite interesting, you know, conversations with some other groups that are trying to do the same thing. And we were really surprised by that because they're like, this is really childish behaviour. We're all trying to do the same thing. What if we were able to collaborate? So we found the right partners who aren't like that. Um, and that's, that's awesome because it was just surprising that, you know, people were like perceived what we were doing to be a threat, which I can semi-understand because, you know, people are applying for external funding and that kind of stuff. Hence why we're trying to create our own business and viable, um, social enterprise because then we can be self-sustainable and have to worry about getting into all that politics which is a waste of time and ultimately if all these services could collaborate in a like-minded manner um, and work with each individual case by case we'd see a significant reduction I think in the number of people experiencing homelessness. So of course we've always touched on through the entire conversation this issue of homelessness but I think to really finish off um, can you just run us through like a bit of a summary of what your organisation Home is doing mm. to solve the problem of homelessness and yep. then we can discuss like a few things around that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. So I guess um, we have a, a retail training and, and employment program for some young people experiencing homelessness or hardship. Um, and these guys uh, are probably classified as experiencing secondary homelessness in that they live in a foyer program. So I'll talk to you a bit about the Pathway Project, which is probably our main area of focus. So 42% of the homeless population in Australia is young, a young person, so you know, between the ages of 18 to, I think it's 12, 25, um, but we specifically work with people 18 to 25, so it's a, it's a lot of people. And, and homelessness is quite a misunderstood issue. People have the assumption, um, the preconceived notion that it's someone who lives rough on the streets. Only 6,000 out of the 105,000 live rough on the streets, so 99,000 we don't see. Couch surfing, sleeping in cars, support and accommodation. So we collaborate with an organisation called uh, Launch Housing, um, which has ties and partnerships with other groups such as Brotherhood of St. Lawrence and, and the Ladder Foundation. But essentially, Launch Housing has these foyer programs, Education First Youth Foyers, where they actually provide residential accommodation and support and access to mental health care and, and physical wellbeing and all the rest to um, a group of young people. One of the prerequisites is they have to undertake a form of study to be um, part of that program, but they get stable accommodation for a couple of years, access to a really great support network. And that's where our young people currently come from um, that work in store. So they experience, I guess, what you would call secondary homelessness, but more, more so, I mean, it's like living in an apartment. So um, we just say it's like people have got things going on in their lives just like us. So uh, that's the group that we work with and we um, provide uh, three young people per six months an opportunity to apply to become a trainee at Homey and undertake the Pathway Project, which is a six-month um, paid position where um, we call it the Living, Learning and Earning Approach. Um, they work in-store at, at the shop for 12 hours per week and they get um, four hours off-site. They do it in RTO, that delivers a Cert 3 in retail operations. Um, but 16 hours of paid work per week uh, and casual award rates these days are pretty good. Mm. So they get paid pretty, pretty well. Um, but they also um, are part of you know, a new family and, and, and are given responsibility and accountability and there are no concessions in regards to um, their personal situations um, in terms of you know, work applications. So if you arrive late, there's consequences, all that kind of stuff. So we try and create a, a real world experience. At the uh, end of that six months, we actually help transition these young people into other workplace arrangements. So right now we have an agreement with Cotton On that actually provide um, guaranteed positions to, to our young people, which is awesome. So they get to go from homey six months of learning, get their confidence, their skills up, get a cert through in retail operations, and they get to transition and work at Cotton On, which is just another environment. So um, what we are trying to do um, is create more opportunities, more partners, 
um, and create more training uh, for young people experiencing homelessness because we believe that opportunity is, is one of the big things that these people require. The feedback is and the mentality is it's so hard to get a job these days, especially if you're a young person experiencing disadvantage. So if we can provide more of those and actually help other workplaces do the same, then we can really reduce that number of young people who are either at risk of or experiencing homelessness. So the living, the learning, the earning. The living component is launch housing, so that's one of our key partners. The learning is, is ourselves uh, and knowledge base, um, as well as the, sorry, the living component. We have the Ladder Foundation, which is set up by the AFL Players Association. They work and provide mentoring and um, personal support to these young people. And the earning comes through us. We remunerate these guys um, you know, pretty handsomely. Um, so they get income during this time, but we find it's not the certificate or anything like that at all. It's, it's really just the uh, intangibles. It's interpersonal skills they develop, the ability to be able to talk to a stranger, but also be part of a, you know, a family of, of young people. Um, and we have social get-togethers and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's slow and steady. It's one person at a time, but you can see that we, we, we certainly focus on one thing and, and we just our job is to try and do a little bit um, and the ultimate goal is to get these people to independence and, and self-sufficiency so that they can pay for their rent, they can have a family, they can you know, work in a stable job, all that kind of stuff. So we're just trying to contribute towards that because at the end of the day, independence for everyone leads to not falling back into you know, experiencing homelessness or whatnot and living a really healthy and happy life, hopefully. So um, that's how we go about it. We also have the VIP day shopping experiences, which was really how we started our social impact and that was... And that still is, we have, um, we invite a homeless service to bring their clients into our store to shop for free. So you, 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 when you buy something from us, the proceeds go to the Pathway Project and the VIP Day. So once a month, the service brings in their clients and they get to choose five items of clothing on, on the racks at their own discretion. We have barbers there, makeup, food, all that kind of stuff. And that's just a dignified shopping experience. Another barrier, I guess, um, for, for a lot of people who sometimes might have that disheveled um, appearance or whatnot, being turned away from actually being able to go f into the shops because of how they look or smell or whatever, which is, is so unfair. So hence the VIP day name that our VIP days are actually the, usually the have nots, not the haves. Um, and um, they're really great. I, I think to be perfectly honest, it's a lot easier to understand that than it is the, the pathway project, which is a real challenge for us. And, and because ultimately clothing was not, will not solve homelessness, hopefully it makes people's days, weeks, months better. Um, but what will is supported opportunity for people and, and creating jobs and, and um, generating income, but also the other things that go with having a job, um, making new friends and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's really difficult because I think customers, it's a lot easier to relate to we give away clothing as opposed to we do this really unique program that's with all these partners that does a really comprehensive approach to, to this, 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 and has these outcomes. So um, we're trying to really turn attention towards that, but it's, it's difficult because it's easier and it's more sexy to talk about you buy clothing, we give clothing. Yep. On this topic, I think when you were describing especially the initial bits of the pathway program, all that I could think of was the government's Young Jobs Path program. Mm. And what are you, what's your opinion on that first? And how do you feel like maybe they could learn some lessons mm. from what you do? Yeah. Well, mate, to be perfectly honest, like I don't know a whole lot about <laughs> this, this stuff. Um, and, um, and, and for us, I always say it's a common sense approach how we've gone about it. So I've never really been uh, interested by politics or, or uh, maybe I should get more invested. Uh, we have the Department of Employment visiting our store in a couple of weeks' time, which is really mm. exciting. 
but I mean, I think for anyone, like we've just taken a common sense approach, honestly, like we partner with the right people. We've gone, okay, so a young person who's experiencing vulnerabilities requires this, 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 this. These services provide it. So let's create a partnership with these guys and let's say, hey, are there any guys that you guys support that would want to work in our store? Because we have jobs available. We need skilled workers. We want to invest in these people to develop and to become skilled workers. And we want to help these people get into other jobs. So it was a common sense approach. We need staff. Um, we can offer these opportunities um, and, and, and why not? Because we found that these guys, all the preconceived notions or reservations or thoughts we might have had have been completely blown out the door because we have the right support mechanisms in place. But these guys are such hard workers, you know, just the most dedicated group of people. And I always say, you know, they, have, they, they know what it's like to, to be on the other end of things. So they have, they have more to lose. Like they just, they appreciate it so much more and they're just such diligent, hardworking people. So like my advice is like, it's not hard. It's just, it really, and it's just a common sense approach. So um, it's, it, it's frustrating, you know, you hear, yeah. you hear things in the media, like why can't it just be like this? So it's up to us, us little grassroots guys who don't have and aren't bound by any, you know, I guess constraints as such to go, like, fuck all that. This is how you do it. <laughs> yeah, because you, like, so the Young Jobs program uh, can, is often labeled as exploitative because, yeah, they have the retail training that you guys do, but it's also on $6 an hour. Mm. It's very interesting sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. context yeah, well, behind it. That's not much money at all. I mean, who can get by off 6 bucks? Exactly. Anybody more than that. Like, it's just, why, why can't people have the realization that that's not going to do anything? Yeah, and that just blows my fucking yeah, mind yeah. that they haven't talked to you guys and been like, I okay, know, so I maybe... Know. Yeah, it blows mine as well, mate. That's, that's ridiculous. I just, you know, the Fair Work Ombudsman's there. Like, someone who's this age, who has these skills, who has whatever, has to be given this, so we're going to do that. So, um... Yeah, no, as I said, like, it's, we are like a one person at a time, you know, steady she goes to the type of thing, but there's a reason behind that. It's really important that um, we do it this way and we're unashamed of that because we think it's the right way. Yeah. Um, we are running a little bit out of time, but that's fine. I just had a couple of little things I want to touch on before yep. we um, finish up. Um, so I guess one thing around, like, so working with these young people, um, I can imagine some of the stories they have is, like, quite... Uh, depressing and how do you shield yourself in this situation like how do you try and not I guess just get depressed by by the issues that you're facing like is it well you know it's it's interesting like I mean I I, I use the um, I always talk about how we all have things going on in our lives and there's usually different degrees of, of whatnot but we've, we've always been a strengths focused um, organisation and, and the past is, is irrelevant to us. What it's about is, is, is hope, helping to contribute towards hopefully a really supportive, positive future for, that, for the individual. So everyone's got stories as, as, to, as, as myself and, and everyone I know. So we've always just, it's always been a people first approach, you know. Um, it's never, we never talk about a homeless person. It's always a person who's ex experiencing or has experienced homelessness because it's a situation or a circumstance someone can get out of if they're afforded the right level of support, care, and all the rest. So, you know, I, we, we, we know what we can and can't do. Um, everyone um, that has complexities and whatnot has the appropriate support mechanisms. So if we were to try and um, provide advice or whatnot, um, we wouldn't do that because it might not be the right advice to give. We have the partners that can do that. So. Um, you know what, funnily enough, I've never found it to be like depressing, if you will. I, I think we're, all we've ever been is inspired by the people that we work with um, because they've overcome so much adversity to get to where they are. Um, and, and yeah, it's just, it just it, it, you know, it's somewhat, the past is the past. Like on, uh, for us, um, having that progressive mentality, we've all got past and all that kind of stuff and the things that we've done that we might not have been proud of in time, all that kind of stuff. And we require support here and there and, and whatnot. So just, 
yeah, taking that sort of approach of, yeah, we're all people that have things going on in our lives. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually really empowering and actually very inspiring um, to, to see people overcome adversity to apply themselves um, and, and to see the difference that it actually makes um, for them is, is great. Oh, that's so good to hear because I was a little bit worried because in that space, it's probably so easy to get stuck in that negativity but mm. looking to the future. Yeah, yeah, I just don't think we can afford to. You know, I think we, we obviously take it into you know, consideration and, and obviously in the level of care that's provided and all the partners and whatnot. But for anyone, like it's, yeah, we're, we're, we're strength-focused because that's what it should be. We should all be focusing on, on, on the positives and understanding the negatives, not actually, um, yeah, just, just having understanding about them. Yeah. Yeah. For young people in general, what would you recommend personally uh, to people who want to get involved, like how do you start? Any tips? Any, anything at all? Any advice? So involved with home, you're involved in giving back and that kind of stuff. Uh, Actually, maybe both. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I guess the, the, the best and easiest way to help us is to, to buy one of our products. You know, to, to talk about it, to get, encourage your friends and family and whatnot. That's 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 why we do it. You know, the, the brand and the clothing is there for a reason, um, and that's the number one way that you can help us. Um, we don't provide. Um, all that many volunteer opportunities because we provide all that work to, to the young people experiencing homelessness. You know, they're, they're the ones who work in store um, and they're the ones who need it more. Um, so the best way to support us is, is really just to talk about homey, um, buy the stuff. You know, you're, that, that's, that's the number one thing you can do for us. Um, but in terms of a young person, look, I guess um, you know, it doesn't have to be homelessness. Um, obviously, there are so many things going on in, in the world and, and it's really important to find something that's important to you. Um, and to understand that um, it doesn't have to be a really grand wire exercise. It can be something I always, I always admire, you know, the slow and steady, the smaller scale operations because I just tend to find that they have a lot more, I, I don't know, like I don't know what the word for it is, but like they're just usually executed extremely well. Um, and it doesn't have to be like a change the world overnight sort of type of thing. Make one day, one person's day better, you know, and that might lead to making two days better. Like it really um, doesn't have to be something that's, that's life changing overnight. Um, but in terms of getting it off the ground, like hard work is obviously the two things are hard work and common sense like, <laughs> and passion. You know, you need passion, but you need to also be able to be literal and, and actually understand what you feasibly can and can't do. But um, yeah, hard work, mate. Like honestly, there's, there's no substitute for it. It's a cliche, um, but cliches are, are cliches for a reason because they're true. So um, yeah, I think you just got to find something like, you know, make sure that it, it means something to you and, and also understand that it doesn't have to be this this amazing exercise overnight like just make a small contribution like you know if we all did that then it'd add up to be this big piece so um, be proud of it um, but also look after yourself you know first and foremost we couldn't do our jobs if we didn't look after ourselves and each other so if you want to get involved and do something for others make sure that you're in a good headspace sweet um do you have any like books or media that inspire oh, books on media um you know what i not not per se. I actually like a, like a quote from my mum or something. She's always said she's a school teacher, and she always says to her students whenever they finish up with her, she goes, "People might forget what you say or do, but they never forget how you make them feel." And that's been a real thing for me, like that that um, that remark. You know, like feeling, and and it's it's how you yeah, you really do the, the, the environment you set, the tone, and and how you treat others. You know, it's all schoolyard stuff. You hear treat others how you want to be treated, that kind of stuff. But that's probably the only thing that I really relate to and think about a lot um, is just that remark. Thank you so much for listening to our eighth episode from Lantern. And once again, that was Nick Pierce. Now, if you're interested in finding out more about Nick's work with Homie or checking out their amazing streetwear, then please be sure to visit their website, homiestreetstore.com.au. And if you did enjoy the show, then please leave us a review on iTunes as well. 
because it really does help us grow and get these amazing people's stories out to the rest of the world. And if you can't wait for more, episode 9 will be live across all our channels in two weeks' time on Sunday evening. So that's SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcast content. Now you can also keep up to date on all our content that we're pushing out on our social media, whether that's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, all under the handle of projectlantern underscore, or on our website, of course, projectlantern.com.au. If you have any feedback for us or want to reach out and just say hi, then please feel free to contact us anytime on social media or via email at hello at projectlantern.com.au. And again, we're so happy and grateful to have you on this journey in creating a global launchpad for youth-led social impact. Until next time, stay awesome.